LAS. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome. Welcome to Other. Yes, you're here. You're here and so are we. Oh my God. I and love that. Boy, are Caleb and I excited for today's episode. I'm like, I've got goosebumps. Me too. Ooh. And before we get too far, don't forget that your favorite podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Yes, please go to lasmediagroup.com forward slash plus to get all the goodies. Bonus episodes. Exclusive content. You'd already know. Yeah, all, all the, the merch and all that good love. stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. <laughs> today is a really important and special episode because we have Iowa representative Liz Bennett here on our show. We could not be more excited to share with you the interview that we just had with her, the time that we had to talk about the things that really matter to us and things that are coming up here soon. Like Roe versus Wade being yes. overturned. The things that we can do as conscientious citizens mm-hmm. in Iowa. What it would mean for us as citizens if this gets overthrown. How we got here. Where we're going. Exactly. So... Buckle up. Buckle up, bitches, because it's going to be an informative ride. That's right. A roller coaster. A roller coaster. And just remember, our pussies scratch back. Meow. Meow. Liz Bennett. Liz Bennett. Liz Bennett. <laughs> Liz Bennett. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here, Liz. Liz. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you both for having me on your podcast. I've been a big fan for quite a while. We oh cannot be more honored. We're a big fan of you. Oh. For quite I, some time also. Uh, big I, stands. I, I feel the love. If, if I was an emoji, I would be the hard eye emoji. Oh, really I love that emoji. Me too. Now I love it even more. <laughs> but I'm particularly happy to be here, um, you know, because this is a critical moment for people to understand what is going on in the United States, what's going on in Iowa, and what they can do to take a stand and potentially stop absolute catastrophe mm-hmm. in our state. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Liz, before we start, Tell our listeners who you are and why you are one of the most important people in Iowa right now. Well, thank you, Sarah. Um, I'm State Representative Liz Bennett. I represent House District 65 in Cedar Rapids. I've been doing so for the last eight years in the State House. And as such, I've been there for every major reproductive rights fight, um, every major fight over LGBTQ rights. I'm the first openly out um, LGBTQ woman to serve in the state legislature. And I'm a longtime activist on a number of different issues. Um, so so I'm pretty well versed. I fought these fights and I'd like to encourage everybody else to get involved in fighting these fights as well. 
Liz has got the receipts, y'all. Absolutely. And so we're talking about the fights, the fights that are happening, the fights that have happened in the past. The fight we're talking about today is the fight for reproductive justice and reproductive rights. So the leak that happened from the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. happened a A week ago today. A week ago today? Yep. Wow. It feels like such a long time ago. I know. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. Um. But Liz, could you tell us a little bit about that? What that means for the draft of an opinion to be leaked? What what's happening here? Yes, absolutely. So it is very unusual for a draft Supreme Court opinion to be leaked. Leaked, and there's been discussion over. You know, some people think it was maybe a liberal staffer. Some people think maybe it was a conservative staffer. Who really knows? There's a lot of conspiracies. There's mm-hmm. a lot of conspiracies. Sure. We really have no idea. However, regardless of how or what the intention of the person who leaked it was, we know that the Supreme Court is planning to overturn Roe v. Wade. And that's particularly concerning at the top level for the right to make the reproductive choice to carry or terminate a pregnancy. But Roe v. Wade held that within the Constitution, there is a right to privacy. And so other things stem from that, like loving and marrying who you want, like making other reproductive health decisions regarding contraception, et cetera. So it's it's very concerning. It's a huge deal, and it, it could change life as we know it because instead of saying, hey, the United States, you have a right to privacy, um, you know, your body is yours to do what you decide with, it would say that the state – the state and the politics in your state can determine what you can do with the most intimate decisions in your life. Right. So right now we're hearing mostly just abortion, but realistically it's every single thing that has to do with your private or reproductive or sexual life. Right. And particularly within the context of this debate, a lot of people don't realize how radical some of the anti-choice activists are. There are people who think that an IUD, for example, constitutes an abortion because some of its some of its efficacy can come from irritating the lining of the uter- uterus in such a way that a fertilized egg would not implant. Right. Um, so there there are people who think that a fertilized egg cell has more rights than than that a person. pregnant person Ugh. um so it's it's very concerning you know um there are some other hormonal forms you know birth control that you know really they try to make sure that you don't ovulate but if you do there's a secondary effect so um you know i think we've talked about a little bit i was raised in a very conservative home and many of the people that i grew up around who are activists do believe that any of those types of birth control are essentially an abortion and so we've seen <clears throat> We've seen different candidates um, and different elected officials in some of the states now in the past week refuse to say that they would not come after certain forms of birth control. It's also really concerning when you think about assistive reproductive technology. There are some people in that community who think that IVF, for example, is unacceptable because typically with IVF, several embryos, several several fertilized egg cells and several embryos um, are created, um, you know, but typically one or a few, it's usually multiple that are implanted, um, 
you know, and so, yeah, there, there are people who think that that is unacceptable as well. So, you know, what it really comes down to is these, these private personal decisions, um, politicians at the state level, you know, and all of the money that goes into politics and all of the scare tactics will be at play when deciding what people can do in their personal private lives. Right. So there's a difference here between, I think when I, when I, for a long time, when I heard Roe v. Wade, that was automatically linked to abortion in my mind. But what I'm hearing, what I'm gathering from what I'm reading as well, um, this is all also about a whole bunch of other reproductive rights in general, like contraception, all those kinds of things, as well as the right to love who you want, all that stuff. So this is a lot bigger than I expected to begin with. Um, but that's what you're saying, too, is that Roe v. Wade being a Supreme Court ruling right on a national level this is going to start to filter down to the states the states are going to have to decide for themselves where that right to privacy begins and ends right exactly and so and on on some level i think some people have said like oh that sounds pretty good um as an american citizen should not every american citizen have the right to privacy over their own bodies. Yeah. You know, the United States Constitution talks about the right of a person to be secure in their person and their effects. Um, you know, we have parts in the Constitution um, that are against a government forcing you to quarter soldiers mm-hmm. in your home. But there are some people who think that when it comes to women or people who can become pregnant, no, the Constitution surely isn't talking about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um you know, so it's it's pretty scary that on this one topic, we're saying that nope, don't have a don't have a right to privacy there, don't have individual rights there. We're just gonna we're gonna throw your fundamental rights back to the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the freedom of autonomy over your own self, the thing the thing that you occupy, the, your body, you don't have the freedom to make choices over that. Right, right. There's a huge body of constitutional law regard, relating to unlawful search and seizure, mm-hmm. for example. You know, so so that's been, you know, debated, written about, it's gone through the courts, etc. Um, and we see that the United States Constitution does protect that. But again, when it comes to this one issue, you know, related to women and people who can become pregnant, oh, you know, the, the Constitution surely doesn't protect that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So... <clears throat> and you, you kind of touch on this too. What I'm hearing a lot of is, uh, is there's a lot of religious, uh, I don't know, foundation underneath this movement to ban abortion, um, I guess, or if anything, remove the right to have one, remove right to for women to have abortions, right? So there's, <clears throat> in your experience, because you've had a lot of experience growing up in that in that culture, as did I. Um, where do you think this... Hmm, how do I want to face this question? Where do you think the goal is here? The goal here, I think, does stem from a religious ideology that says that, no, you don't have the right to make the decision over your body, that you should yield to what their view of a higher power wants for you. Um, you know, so this this really is taking some people's concept of a higher power and using it to legislate or force other people to live their lives in such a way, uh, whether they want to or not, 
um, which is according to their view um, of a higher power. And how did we get here? I feel like in a lot of people's minds, they might not be able to understand the fact that we're able to go back and overturn something that was made a constitutional right and then throw that back to the state level. And I feel like, too, a lot of people, based on just the demographic and numbers of those who actually turn out to vote, people think, oh, this will never happen to us. It's a constitutional right, or that person will never be elected to office. There's no way. And then we see that it happens when people don't act. So there must be more going on behind the scenes than the average person who's not involved in their local politics knows. So what? how did we get here? Well, you could write an entire book about that. But in short, ever since the Roe v. Wade decision came out, um, there's been a very well-organized, coordinated effort to play a long game and overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, And all the decisions that came after it based on the idea that the Constitution incorporates a fundamental right to privacy. So you can see that um, with the beginnings of the Christian coalition, um, you know, the beginnings of an evangelical movement um, that instead of talking about a a personal faith or a personal relationship um, with Jesus, that it turned into a Christian nationalism. Um, We had talked about, I think at one point in the movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Oh, yeah. Very interesting movie because there is a moment in that movie where she is interacting with some of these people like Jerry Falwell um, at this moment in time when they really are ramping up, um, you know, this this coalition to pursue Christian nationalism um, defined as making laws that reflect what they think that people should be able to do or not to do based on their religion. So, and, and what really concerns me is that, you know, for some people, I think it's, it's that, you know, first of all, a lot of people are just hustling really hard, working really hard, you know, and so they're doing their best on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. you know, to just keep going and, and everything like that. So I want to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, for other people, I think that sometimes there's a, a division between, um, you know, maybe who tend to be a little bit more more liberal or progressive. You know, a lot of times we tend to be idealistic and we think the best of people in a lot of situations. And so we tend to think that, no, like that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Like people believe this, you know, are the people in our bubbles think this Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. But what we don't see is that since 1973, there are people who have been working steadily and waiting to bring this moment to fruition without ceasing. Mm-hmm. So they have been working and waiting, and at the first chance, they are going to be loading up school buses, you know, loading up buses, taking people to the polls with a sense of urgency. And my fear is that, you know, many people will either sort of feel defeated into inaction or feel like their their activity doesn't make a difference, um, or 
they're going to think that like, well, that just wouldn't happen because I've seen some comments like that online. Mm-hmm. And um, that truly scared me because as we're going to talk about later, we're already a third of the way to a constitutional amendment in Iowa mm-hmm. banning abortion. And I think it's also important to realize that no matter what happens in the Supreme Court, abortions aren't actually going to end. Safe abortions are going to end. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not sure what people are missing about that. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating because here in Iowa, a couple of years back, um, the Republican majority defunded Planned Parenthood um, as a source of sex education and contraception. And we have seen unintended pregnancies rise. We have seen STIs on the rise. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting because it's very clear that it's not about preventing pregnancy or giving people resources. It really is about this punitive attitude of do what we say or else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very sad to me um, that some of these folks speak out of both sides of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, they'll say like, oh, well, a baby is a blessing. You should have a baby. Um, regardless of the situation or the health of the person carrying that pregnancy. But then on the other side of that, there is this very punitive attitude that if you don't do what we say, we don't really care. We don't care what the situation is. You just have to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's very sad mm-hmm. to me. Um, you know, so that happened a couple of years back in Iowa. And um, I don't see a lot of concern among my colleagues about you know, either taking some action to reduce the number of unintended unintended pregnancies um, or provide more resources Mm -hmm. to people on the other end of that. Mm -hmm. Right. It just seems to me so, I don't, I don't know if hypocritical is, or hypocritical is the right word, but it just seems like there's, it's almost so oppressive. Like the idea that like, we're going to make this the case. Like you can't go have an abortion. We're going to make all these laws to restrict your freedom over your own body, but then we're not going to give you anything else. Like you just have to deal with what it is and one like, the, good luck. Yeah. And hope you of, don't die. And one of the other, you know, speaking, speaking of oppressive, um, you know, when we think about justice and when we think about, you know, what is a person's, what is a person's role on this earth? Sure. Right. Um, one of the really concerning things from the draft opinion was this language about there being, this is a a paraphrase, but a shortage in the domestic supply of infants. What? I read that. Yes. Yes. Right. And so, I mean, first of all, talking about children like a commodity Mm -hmm. is frightening, Mm -hmm. number one. Makes it sound like a crop. Yes. Right, right. And and number two, you know, that that relegates, you know, the pregnant person, you know, to to an incubator, mm-hmm. you know, who is living that experience for the benefit of somebody else. Yeah, it makes it sound like a crop. So, I mean, I think that that really does reveal some of what the attitude is. Sure. You know, towards, you know, what what is a woman or what is a person who can become become pregnant? What is their role? What are their rights? What is the most important thing? And I think you can see from that that it's it's certainly not their bodily autonomy and their right sure. to be a full, fully developed citizen right. of the United States. Yeah. And I, oh man, that just brings up so many thoughts. Um, I saw a tweet earlier actually um, because I saw a lot of responses 
on Twitter and social media throughout the week that since the draft was leaked. Um, but there was this one woman with, we talked, I saw a lot of things about Handmaid's Tale. That's where mm-hmm. I was going with that. And that immediately rung a bell with me because of my religious uh, upbringing and yours as well. Like, and when I watched that, it was so like, I see the, all the connections, right? Even before this was happening, when I was, when it was coming out, like during the Trump years, I was like, oh God, this is so terrifying. You know, it's it's, kind of, yeah, it's like terrifying and like triggering in some way to like be back in that space, like watch this woman go through it. But there was a tweet that I thought was interesting. Uh, It was at Law BLA Blanchard. Uh, It says, dear white women, the Handmaid's Tale didn't quote unquote predict the future, unquote. It is without exaggeration based on the real treatment of black and indigenous people. Um, Wow, man, my handwriting is so bad. (laughs) But it has been happening. It's been happening. It's just the first first time it's happening to you get it together. And Mm -hmm. that just made me think of like this other clip that I saw. And I think it was on Tucker, not Tucker Carlson. Ew, gross. Um, Who's Trevor Noah. Mm, This woman was talking about like, you know, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, this isn't ending abortion for the rich white man and or for the rich white women. This is like, the rich and white will always have access to private people to perform these kinds of, um, to perform abortions. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is it's going to make it so hard and so inaccessible to get um, safe abortions for people who are lower ca- class, people who are black, people who are indigenous, um, Anyone people who are queer, not like cis, yeah, hetero, white, and it's just so frustrating because they're like so moral about it. Like they have this moral high ground of like, oh, this is right. This is what God wants. But what it does is it ends up just hurting and killing a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's keeping those people in those same systems to repeat this cycle of poverty and yes. neglect and abuse Absolutely. over and over and over again. One hundred percent. And the whole conversation you know, around reproductive justice as a whole, that's an entire episode. Sure. Um, you know, because we, we have seen abortion for sterilization and things like that, um, used in such a horrific and oppressive way, um, against black women, um, indigenous women, you know, immigrants in the United States. And, you know, that is a history that we need to face up to because it's part of this entire conversation, Mm -hmm. Sure, you know, and this, this conversation often is racially charged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very interesting because one time somebody said something to me um, that I was just aghast by, I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, it's maybe it's within the past two years and, um, you know, that this person is somebody who considers themselves pro-life. Um, and they, they said about immigrants that, well, they feel that the immigrants are just having too many babies. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. And oh, I was replacement like, oh, wow. Right. I mean, so, so it's, it's this very interesting thing where on the one hand, um, you know, nope, nobody can have abortions, but then we have this history, you know, for mm-hmm. sterilization and injustices around reproduction. And then we have people who in one breath are anti-abortion, but then, 
you know, think that people who are not white are having too many babies and have this replacement right. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's bonkers. It's what it is. It's insane. <clears throat> this is becoming a very scary place to live. One hundred percent. Um. Yeah. It's it's it blows my mind. I like can like expressly remember like watching or like growing up in the church and like my like something being said about like how like and you need to like go and like make babies and like have like large families and it's just like for why yeah but I, also like in this economy I can't raise a child the fuck mm-hmm. yeah that's oh my gosh that's that's a whole conversation every time I every time I you know millennials are ruining everything whatever um but every time I see something like my my mom who I love very much yeah um but who I have different very very different views than you know loves to go on about how you know so many people in my generation are childless and there's going to be no one to take care of them and you know all these things and um you know but it's like well you know your generation you know and and the generations after you but before me you know have really enjoyed the fruits of this economy mm-hmm. um you know at least people in my parents situation you know white people um and the fact of the matter is is that the the generations who are out there you know trying to work now um, unless they're coming from a wealthy family, it's harder than ever to get yourself into a stable position. Mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren, I think, has written about how um, I love her. I know I love her, and she certainly, <laughs> she certainly, she makes no argument not to have children at all. You know, she has right. children, and her argument is not don't have children. Right. Her argument is that one of the key predictors of I think bankruptcy or financial trouble, you know, is having kids. And I believe that shit. Right. Right. And that is a symptom. That is a symptom of our system in the United States, because a lot of times it has to do with medical bills. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's medical Mm -hmm. bills and medical bankruptcy, you know, because who, who can pay for that? If you have a kid that gets sick, if you get into a car accident, you know, so, so it's just, it's very frustrating for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say that we could implement policies um, you know, to make it so that, for example, you know, if somebody, if somebody does have a pregnancy and they would prefer to keep that pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, that they would not have to make a decision based on financial issues, that they wouldn't have to make a decision based on childcare or resources or healthcare. Nobody should have to make that kind of decision right. in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the wealthiest nation. And so I would say to people who consider themselves pro-family, well, then you know what? Let's put some policies in place that support families. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about paid family leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's talk about fair wages. Let's talk about the caring economy. Um, but people don't want to talk about that, I think, in large, in large part because of misogyny and particularly misogyny um, towards women of color and immigrants. Yeah. Um, who do who have traditionally filled so many of these these caring roles, whether it's child care, whether it's elder care, et cetera. You know, so I think that's really an intersection between, you know, racism, classism, mm-hmm. um, you know, and misogyny in our culture. So we need to address that because we could make a culture that is better for families. Right. Yeah, this is so layered. All right. Well, it seems like it's a good time to take a break, to step away from the conversation, but 
we do have a lot more to talk about when it comes to reproductive rights, abortion, especially when it comes to the state of Iowa. Yes. So listen up. We're going to be back with our very special guest, Liz Bennett, talking about what it would mean specifically for Iowa if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court's decision made this week. The Senate. God F it. The Senate's decision this week. So there have been things going on. So we want to talk about that, how to get involved, what we're going to see happen here in the next couple months. All right, hang tight. Are you looking for a rewarding career that values its employees and the lives of the people they serve? You know I am. Well, that's great news, Caleb, because Pure Mean Clean is hiring. I love that. Me too. Meanest clean you've ever seen. Pure Mean Clean is looking for honest, motivated, problem-solving individuals who are versatile and love helping others. Whether it's a side hustle or a career, Pure Mean Clean is looking to grow their team. They have competitive pay. You'll be getting yearly and performance raises with incentives. Holiday bonus and tips. And free yoga at the Breathing Room Yoga Studio. All that. And you have a flexible schedule. Whoa! If you want to make a difference improving individual lifestyles by making our space a healthier, safer, cleaner environment to live, your essential cleanliness is next to fabulous. For more information, click on the link in the description below. Contact Pure Mean Clean at 319-531-8402 or visit puremean.com. And we're back, we're back with Liz Bennett. The most incredible guest we've had on this show today. <laughs> I'm still so awkward because honestly, I'm just so excited you're here. I'm like, it's a dream come true. It really is. And I have told you this before, but I'm just going to reiterate it. I am just so thankful for your presence in the legislature because when I moved here in Iowa, I was so afraid of like how conservative Iowa was or like maybe my perception of how conservative Iowa was or is. And when I found out I was going to be staying here longer than I planned on, and now I've been here for five years, almost six, that there was a queer person in the Iowa um, legislature. I was very relieved. I was like, okay, not everybody here is a piece of shit who votes for Trump and hates gay people because they voted Liz Bennett in. And that just made... Yeah. That makes me so happy to hear. I'm so glad that you're still here. Um, and it's so funny because really the first year I was up there, you know, I I did not run on being queer. Mm. I ran on education and STEM education um, and early childhood education. But after about the first year, it became clear to me that, okay, people actually do need to know. I, I mean, I was out. I mean, people sure. back home knew or whatever, but I, it just wasn't really one of my talking points or anything like that but it it became clear to me particularly after school counselors kind of through the grapevine heard um, and would reach out to me before they came up to the capitol for a field trip and say hey I have a couple students that I think would really benefit from meeting you um, and seeing themselves you know as in somebody else's experience at the capitol 
Um, so that was when I started talking about it a little bit more sure. and it makes me feel really good to know that that was comforting to you. Yeah. And you well, I mean know. like representation matters, yeah. right? And for somebody who's representing the state of Iowa, like in the government in Iowa to be out, to be queer was very important to me. Yeah. I yeah. mean, having these conversations is meaningful. You know, when you build the other relationships, both with people in your own party and across the aisle and you sure. build relationships of trust and then you tell them some of the stories of things that you've experienced, you can sometimes unexpectedly move some legislation forward. Um, like I I originally wrote a bill um, banning the gay and trans panic defense. Um, you know, so for listeners who are not familiar with that, that would be a, a defense used in court where let's say we go on a date and you find out um, maybe I'm a transgender person um, and you use that as an excuse to do violence to me, um, whether it's assault or murder um, or, you know, maybe we're two people were quote unquote hanging out um, and you do violence to me um, and then use the excuse that, well, you know, they made a pass at me. Um, and any reasonable person would have done the same thing. So people would claim diminished capacity, sure. Um, you know, to plead down from a murder charge. No, the bottom line is that that is not an excuse to harm another person. Right. And everybody should agree, regardless of party, regardless of location, that that is not an excuse to do violence to another person. So, right. um, you know, we were able to pass that through the state house twice, even in a Republican majority. And I think that really did come from building relationships, building trusting relationships, telling stories. Um, so it really does matter. Yeah. So on that note, what's happening in Iowa is important. And there's a lot well, that that's happening this week. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And I think we need to focus a little bit on these stories of people, right? In order to, I guess, get a fuller picture of why it's important this to us in the state, why it matters to vote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've kind of mentioned earlier on the podcast, you know, Caleb and I, you know, we were both kind of raised in these, um, you know, really conservative environments. So I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I had to deprogram, you know, I, I kind of had to be deprogrammed. Um, I mean, some, some of the stuff that I grew up with, um, you know, just the shame and stuff like that, I, I now recognize is really somewhat abusive. Um, totally. You know, and learning about people's stories, particularly, you know, women's stories um, around pregnancy, um, around birth, um, around abortion, you know, really helped me understand that the idea that I was raised with or the ideas that I was raised with were really misleading um, and just wrong. Um, you know, so I think that as we as we look to the future of bodily autonomy, you know, and activism in Iowa, telling people's stories, telling our own stories, telling other people's stories and having these heart to heart conversations is going to be the best thing that we can do moving forward. So that's why I've focused every time, every time we've had a bill up in the state legislature, restricting abortion, restricting choice, I've really focused on telling the stories that people have sent me of my constituents. Um, I, can sometimes be a pretty stoic person. 
I think I've only cried maybe two times on the floor of the state house. And once was when I memorialized Donna Redwing, um, who was an LGBT activist her entire life. Um, and then, you know, passed away as the leader of one Iowa. Um, and then another time was telling the story of one of my very best friends about a wanted pregnancy, a very wanted and hoped for pregnancy, um, where she, she found out that the baby was developing without a skull, you know? And so, you know, the choice that she made, you know, was to terminate the pregnancy, um, you know, then she went through a course of, I think she had to take vitamins and some medication. And after a while she was able to conceive again. And now she, now she has a son. Um, you know, so you think about, you think about situations like that. I can't make that choice for her, mm-hmm. you know, and so many of the things that are sensationalized in the media, I think are really, really cruel because what you're talking about sometimes, like when people talk about so-called late term abortion, right. What you are talking about is a situation where somebody wants a baby very much, um, where somebody has bought a crib, where maybe they've had a baby shower, um, and they find out the worst news they are ever going to hear in their whole life, that maybe, maybe their health is in danger, um, you know, maybe, maybe the baby has died in the womb. Um, you know, maybe there's something else incompatible with life. Um, no one, no one feels that more than that person. And that is why that person needs to make the decision. Um, so for people to make that a political football is just unconscionable. It's disgusting. It is mm-hmm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. It is disgusting. And it's it's deliberately misleading mm-hmm. well, because the information sure. is there and how rare those situations are and the circumstances that lead to those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, so to it's like kicking somebody when they're at the lowest point of their whole life. Yeah. I just can't fathom it. Um, you know, but these these are the kinds of things that'll that'll get thrown around because people who haven't heard those stories will think, oh, whoa, that's, you know, that's very extreme or whatever without understanding, well, here's what's actually going on in that situation. And nobody is sadder than the person who receives that news. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the talking points too from the writer, like, <clears throat> well, do you want a baby to be aborted? Like, like at eight months, seven months. And it's like, no one's doing that. Nobody's no. doing that without like some, something really going wrong. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, I've been pregnant for seven, eight months, Mm-mm. and now it's just time to end mind. it. You nope. know, like nobody is doing that. No, no. It, it is not happening. It it's does not the not case. Happen. But like that's the way that they're talking about it. Like, yeah. oh, look at these evil people killing these babies. Yeah, and the dishonesty, the dishonesty yeah. of that is it is it is immoral. It is wrong. Mm-hmm. It is just completely wrong, and it's heartless. Mm-hmm. It's heartless. I I just can't imagine myself. You know, even in in my younger days, I can't imagine looking somebody in the eye. You know, and saying that about their character, you know, when they are, when they're at the saddest point in their life, I just can't imagine it, Yeah. you know? So, but, and, and once again, I mean, that is why only that person can make that decision. You know, we never know, we never know right. what's going on in somebody's life, you know, but, you know, in the beginnings of pregnancy, back to the beginnings of time, 
back to the beginnings of time. Women women have made choices about their fertility, mm-hmm. um, and that's where that decision should lie. So, you know, talking about this and how important it is for people to have this choice for themselves. Let's talk about what's going on in Iowa and what people can do here. Yeah, please. Um, so, you know, it most likely is going to get kicked back to the states, and that's why it's important for everybody here to get rowdy. Mm-hmm. Um, get rowdy. Um, look for your local protest marches. Um, follow the Planned Parenthood ac- um, advocates of Iowa. Um, donate to the Emma Goldman Clinic. Donate to the Iowa Abortion Access Fund. Um, but also you have got to vote. It does matter. And I will tell you that you need to know the stance of every candidate from school board all the way up to state legislature and U.S. Congress and Senate for numerous reasons. Number one, school board members, for example, can make decisions about curriculum. You know, they can make decisions within the confines of the law about, well, you know, what what type of tone you know, is, is our human growth and development, um, curriculum going to take, um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of controversy about banning books, people wanting to ban books, all kinds of things. Um, you know, who's on your school board really matters. Um, who's on your city council matters. Um, when I was growing up, you know, from within that movement in different places, um, anti-choice city councilors have been able to lean on and impact whether or not the zoning is, mm. you know, changed or granted to, to a health clinic, right. to a reproductive health clinic, um, you know, even mayors. And it's really important to know that all of these elected positions, frequently, this is the pool of people from which parties will recruit their candidates. Sure. You know, so it's it's kind of like we we like to think like, oh well some of these things are not partisan and mm-hmm. you know maybe a maybe a mayor or like a city councilor, oh they're never gonna have to vote about abortion. Mm-hmm. Um the right knows they knows that they know that this is the pool of people and that there are lots of levers that can be pushed you know on reproductive choice, particularly with regard to access. Right. Mm-hmm. Resources and access, for sure. So you need to ask. You need to ask every single person asking for your vote, number one. Um, number two, we'll talk a little bit about the last five years and efforts to restrict choice in Iowa. Um, the biggest thing, um, the biggest thing I'm going to talk about is an anti-abortion constitutional amendment um, because we are about a third of the way there. So in order for something to become a constitutional amendment in Iowa, it has to go through two consecutive legislative sessions, and then it goes to the ballot, okay? So it's already passed one legislative session. It's going to come up again in this next legislative session, so 2023-2024. Barring some kind of miracle of the universe, it probably will go on the ballot. Now, the miracle of the universe could be public action because... You know, I think a lot of people have sort of been in that state where they're like, oh, well, politicians just kind of talk about this stuff. But, you know, I don't know if they'll actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so everybody voting this year, regardless of your party, needs to think about the impact on people's lives that this would have. People you love, Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, and ask those politicians because we could potentially stop this Mm -hmm. in the 2023, 2024 legislative session. But if it goes to the ballot, what it will basically be is a constitutional amendment that says, no, Iowans do not have a right to an abortion under the Iowa constitution. And the reason for that push is that with the anti-choice legislation that we've had over the past several years, the Iowa Supreme court has found some of these in violation of the Iowa constitution. Um, so there are a couple different paths um, that the Republican Party could take in Iowa to banning abortions. Um, now, currently, so some people might remember that there was a 24-hour waiting period passed um, not too long ago. A lower court in Iowa found that to be unconstitutional, and the state is appealing that lower court decision. And that's a 24-hour waiting period to receive an abortion? Right. So okay. so let's say, you know, you go and you say, I would like to terminate this pregnancy uh, for no medical reason. Um, you know, the, doc- the doctor would need to say, okay, well, you have to wait 24 hours. Um, you know, which is such an infantilizing thing um, to tell a person that like, no, you don't actually know what you want. So you just go for 24 hours and just sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, think about it dwell about it right as as if that individual has not already right right thought about it in their life and what they need mm-hmm. so hold on that's a law right now that you have to wait 24 hours it is passed so it was a bill that was passed all the way through the legislature and signed by the governor <laughs> okay yep okay yep and so um so it was taken to court a lower court stated that no, under the Iowa Constitution, this is unconstitutional. But the state came back and said, well, fine, we're appealing this to the Iowa Supreme Court. So the Iowa Supreme Court could rule it a few different ways. They could agree with the lower court and they could say, no, nope, Iowa Constitution protects the right to an, an abortion. This is an undue, this is an undue burden. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, remember that governors governors, presidents appoint people to the Supreme Court. Right. Um, and so this has been a major issue um, that has been a litmus test for judges. So the Iowa Supreme Court could reverse a 2018 decision um, stating that, yes, under the Iowa Constitution, a person does have a fundamental right to an abortion. They could do that in a narrow way or they could do that in a broad way. If they did it in a broad way, that's catastrophic. Okay. Uh, We already talked about the constitutional amendment, which, you know, would basically say, nope, just for future reference, any of any of these bills, if you're going to try to find them unconstitutional on the basis of of the Iowa Constitution. Well, guess what? The Iowa Constitution doesn't protect your right to abortion, doesn't protect that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the other thing, and I, I think this is less likely but the 2022 legislative session is still going on right now, uh, which is very interesting because it's supposed to be over by about April 15th. It's usually over by May, but it's dragging on right now because of disagreement within the Republican Party, particularly about um, school vouchers. Mm. Um, yep, giving giving public oh dollars God. to private schools in the form of so infuriating. Yeah, it's so infuriating, particularly because I feel like Caleb and I probably know about some of the things that we were taught. Oh yeah, and some of the private and schools, private education, absolutely. And and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not anti private education. No. You know, that's great. You know, that's really great. Just it's a it's a question of you know, is that where public dollars? Yeah, are public funds supposed to go to a private institution? That's absurd. Right. Right. Um, you know, I don't want, 
you know, I, for example, was taught in private school. We had to watch a video where somebody said that a condom is called a condom because it's a con and it's dumb. What does that even mean? Oh, because it's a form of birth control. Right. So I'm sorry. I don't want my public dollars going to that. I don't want my public dollars, uh, you know, going to fund abstinence only speakers who are telling young women in particular that if they have any sexual experience that they are like a piece of chewed gum or a used tissue. Right. Or like a flower who loses a petal. Right. Right. Um, You know, that's whatever, you know, if if that's what you want to teach in your home, you know, you have the right to do that. I, you know, I suppose if, if, if you want to pay, you know, and that's how you want your children brought up. That's fine. But I don't want my public dollars going to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so anyway, so that's kind of what's going on with the legislative session right now. It's a whole bunch Ugh. of internal politics and why it's dragging on. So it's very interesting. Um, but if both the Supreme Court of the United States and the Iowa Supreme Court, um, they could pass a ban. If they, if they both struck down, you know, the right to an abortion, um, you know, Iowa could potentially technically pass a ban in the 2022 session. Um, they could also kind of thread the needle, um, by introducing new restrictions, like a 15 week ban, um, like the Mississippi law. Weeks. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it, that's early. That's early considering the fact that usually, so a lot of people don't realize you, you know, you all know this, but, um, you know, some of these really early bans happen before, before somebody even knows like they've missed a period. Right. Like what's it like the like six, six week, week ban? Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. I mean, that's like, basically you're like, oh, my period's late, mm-hmm. you know, because people don't realize that that beginning of pregnancy they're trying to calculate you know, when fertilization probably occurred. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of how it really works. Yeah. It's not really how it works. So, um, you know, they could try a 15 week ban, um, like the one in Mississippi that ultimately went up to the United States Supreme court. So I, I think that's less likely. Um, but the message to people should be that people have been campaigning on this for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, both at, you know, the local state and federal level. Um, and they, they are bringing about their dominionist vision Mm -hmm. to make this the law of the land, um, and to restrict people's personal privacy and personal rights. Um, so it is, it is just critically important if you're not registered to vote, do a Google search for how to register to vote in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that. If you if you don't know who your legislators are, you can actually Google, who is my legislator, Iowa. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's actually pretty good. There are a lot of things that you can Google and find out information. Um, if you're still having trouble finding that, that information, contact me through my website, lizbennett.com. Um, I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. Um, but it is, it is crucial that people act right now make sure that these elected officials and candidates know you are watching them on this issue and there will be consequences if they do not support individual bodily autonomy on these issues mm-hmm. so well said liz yeah i think it's just shocking like how like <clears throat> it's so immediate like right now the elections are happening what soon June, yes. June 7th. June 7th. Right. So there's there's a primary election in Iowa. Um, I have a primary election if Yay. I can give myself Hooray. a plug. Yeah. Um, Vote for Liz. 
yep. I, I really feel, again, that these personal stories um, are going to be how we do break through and change hearts and minds on this issue and educate people who just might not be thinking about it as much. Um, you know, I've been telling these stories for eight years and I've been an activist longer than that. And I really feel that we need people who are experienced and doing this work, going to the state Senate, especially with not just the anti-abortion constitutional amendment, but everything that is going on Mm -hmm. um, for LGBTQ folks. Um, because we will be, we will be continuing to fight battles, um, over trans youth. There are people who have gone so far as to say that um, both gender identity and sexual orientation should be taken out of the Iowa Civil Rights Code. So, oh. yeah. so I, you know, I've been fighting this fight and for anybody listening um, who is a Democratic voter, I would greatly appreciate your support on June 7th. Um, but, but regardless of where you're at, you know, Ask your candidates, look up who your candidates are, ask them where they stand and let them know where you stand as well. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be your first opportunity to vote coming up here in June. Um, But then going towards November, you need to know where these folks stand. Um, You know, get involved. Planned Parenthood Advocates of Iowa is doing a really good job of getting the grassroots organizing started. This is going to be old school grassroots organizing they'll train you. Don't worry. They'll train you. It'll be okay. Um, but if there is ever a time when you will look back and ask yourself what, what you did and whether you could have done more, it's going to be these next two years. So don't let yourself have regrets, get involved. That's a call to action. Yeah. Right there. So also this past week, the Supreme court, the Senate, I just want to say the correct branch of government. So today. Th- thank you, Liz. You take it away, sister. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what happened? So um, this week, the U.S. House of Representatives um, did codify abortion rights into law. The Senate failed to do so because all Republicans plus Joe Manchin um, failed. Failed to do so. Um, so... So Very, what does that mean to codify something? It means to to specifically put in law and state in law in writing. Okay. So, so since the Senate neglected to sign off on that, what does that mean going forward for us? Well, I think the biggest thing it means is that, again, we need to be making sure to elect people who do support privacy and bodily autonomy because these decisions really do matter. Mm-hmm. Um they're going to matter both at the state and the federal levels because there, there are laws that the federal government can pass, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to interfere with all kinds of these private decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. The time is now. The time is now. The time is now. I think, yeah, it's just so frustrating too when I look at like some of the like the top legislators or representatives who are in either federal government or in the state are like these white women who are like, like our governor, God bless her heart. Bless her. Or like, um, the lovely representative to the, to Congress. Nancy. No. Ashley Henson. Ashley. Ashley. Henson. Yeah. It's like these like nice, pretty white women who just like are so pro-life. And it's like, I, 
Yeah, it's like, listen, I date across the spectrum, but I don't right. want either of you in my vagina. Right. Figuratively <laughs> or literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. I don't want you making decisions for me. Yeah. It's, no. Yeah, it's horrendous. No. And it's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, you, you have no right. You have no right to make that decision for somebody else. You know, and, and they should know better. Right. They should know better. Yeah. Point blank, period. You know, and it's, you know, back to voting again and knowing people's stances. You know, it, it's so hard because especially here in Iowa, you know, we know the people who run for office. I remember when Ashley Hinson ran and um, I talked to a friend of mine who's gay and um, and I said, well, I mean, I actually, I think she's very nice too, but... I don't think you should support her. And he said, oh, well, she's been so great with the arts and I just love her. And, you know, she's socially liberal. She's socially liberal, but just, you know, fiscally conservative, which, okay. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that that for two reasons, because number one, um, okay, so uh, does fiscally conservative, I mean, does that mean that? Like, are we going to totally ignore the causes of systemic inequality and differences (laughs) in wealth in this nation? Yes. You know, what, what is that code for? Right. You know, like what, what is that code for? Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's what that's code for is ignoring systemic inequality, ignoring that people have been excluded. Right. You know, and that, and, and saying that, no, we, we're not going to do anything about it. Right. You know? Um, that's not acceptable to me. So I'm so sick and tired of, you know, oh, fiscally conservative, you know. Get out. Yeah. yeah just get out of my face. I'm getting fired up now. <laughs> um, get fired up. That's right. I'm fired up. Um, because I just am sick and tired of seeing people being trampled over. Yeah. You know, and just just in every way, you know. But the point being is that you're not going to you're not going to make it long in today's Republican Party unless you toe the party line. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what we have seen at every turn, you know, with somebody like Ashley Henson is that she's towing the line. Um, you know, I publicly disagreed with an organization when when she was running um, an LGBT organization who gave her an endorsement because, oh, they had a really friendly interview with her. And, you know, she said she was friendly, you know, to equality. Well, then the first chance she gets. The first chance. The I first chance. That. Yeah, on like, an equality what the bill. fuck? Yeah, you know. And then people thought I was being mean, you know, to this person because I was like, well, well, well. Mm, you know. And interesting. I, I hate it. I hate it because this should be bipartisan. Absolutely. You know, not being horrible to people and taking away their civil rights should be bipartisan. And right. I wish that we were going back in that direction. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not seeing a whole lot of evidence right now that people are willing to step out of line with their party. Mm-hmm. Please prove me wrong. Right. I want you to prove me wrong. I don't like being cynical. I like working together with other people. Sure. Um, I I would like very much for this to be something that we just all agree on because that is more important to me. 100%. That is more important to me, but I am not seeing that evidence. Right. So vote. Vote. You think your vote doesn't matter, but it does. No. And 
And for that matter, if you think your don't your vote doesn't matter, you need to look at the millions and millions of dollars that are being spent to make you number one think that your vote doesn't matter, and number two to make it harder for you to vote. Yeah. You know, we've had voting rights restrictions in Iowa. Yeah. Um, you know, even after the 1964 Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. people still have trouble voting. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is not just somebody's pet project. It's because people don't want people who are disadvantaged and left out to vote. Yeah. Right. So next time you think it doesn't matter, look at all the bills that are getting passed, making it hard to vote. Yeah. Right. Amen. Whoo. Whoo, chow. <laughs> well, Liz, I have to thank you again so much for coming in, getting fired up, just because we're fired up. I'm so thank you, thank you, thankful. Ugh, wow, words. Thankful for your perspective, for your advocacy, for mm-hmm. your activism, and for sharing what you know about what's going on. Yeah, well, thank both, you know, I thank both of you. Um, I've been a fan of the podcast specifically because you have given a platform for some voices that just aren't heard all the time um, to be heard. So I'm really grateful to you all for sharing your platform with me. Thank you. Anytime. You can have our platform. (laughs) It's yours. It's yours. (laughs) It's now the Liz show. Yes. Where can we find you, Liz, if we want to talk or follow Mm. or see what you're about? My website is www.lizbennett.com. You can find me on Twitter at Liz Bennett, Iowa. You can find me on Instagram at Rep Liz Bennett. And you can find me on Facebook at Liz Bennett, Iowa. Fabulous. She's everywhere you want to be, guys. Um, were there any resources you wanted to point us or our listeners to? Yes, actually, if you find yourself thinking, what is even going on? Um, with all of this culture war stuff, with the with the abortion wars, with, you know, people losing their minds over so-called critical race theory, everything like that. There's a really great book that I've been working my way through um, called A War for the Soul of America by Andrew Hartman, the second edition. So I'm sure you can order that through your favorite local bookstore. Um, or wherever wherever fine books are sold. Thanks, Liz. Thank you, Liz. We love you we so love you. much. Bye. Vote for Liz. <laughs> Vote for Liz. Oh my God. <sighs> Damn. Damn, Kayla. <laughs> that was a hell of a conversation. That definitely gave us a lot to think about. A lot to think about, and not just things to think about, but ways to take action. Right. Let's get active. Let's, let's be get engaged. Active. Be engaged. Get out there. Get up. Do it. Do Nike. it now. <laughs> Nike. <laughs> if you want to check out some of the resources that Liz shared on our show today, they are linked in our show description. Absolutely. And make sure you go and follow her on Twitter. If you have questions, like she's so open about responding um, to any questions people might have about how to get involved. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited for ways that I know I'm going to get involved by donating. Um, I definitely want to check out that Planned Parenthood. um, Planned Parenthood. Wow, words are hard for me today. But Planned Parenthood um, website, the Advocates for Planned Parenthood. um, It's just important. It is important. Like we talked about, this is something that seems abstract and far away Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, but it isn't. Right, it's right here. It's right here. It's right now. It's right here and right now. That's right. 
Well, uh, again, thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe to lesmediagroup.com slash plus. Um, helps us out, helps local creators create. Please also review and like our podcast, please, on yeah. Apple. And follow us on Instagram at othered the podcast. It's so good. So you just do such a good job of it. Right it's now. lit. I haven't lately, but I'm going to. It is to. lit. Yeah. So if you want to party, follow. Until next time. Until next time. We love you. We love you guys. Vote June 7th. Yes. Peace out. Peace and love. Bye. Bye. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. LAS.